hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the 1930s sci-fi commentary podcast where <laughs> we are going all out with the space opera and discussing everyone's favourite story from 1969, The Dominators. I am back with my two co-hosts. First up is the one and only Mr. Joe Ford. Say hello, Joe. Uh, hello, Joe. It's always nice to get that little that jack gag yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and we are joined by our second very special guest. Um, it's not Cy Hard for one, but for one, you're <laughs> missing your Cy. It is the one and only Quickie the Quarks. Yeah, hello, oh. Quickie. Oh, right. I didn't keep it down. Honestly, I can't believe you're going along with this thing. Bless you, Fraser. What's that? Oh, did you hear what you just said there? I didn't. He said, obey the dominator. Well, you must okay. be the one in charge here. Well, you know, we'll, co- we'll come to that later. Damn, you know, who is in charge? Which dominator is the... Oh, well, uh, there's a lot to talk about there, you know. And I think Rusty Davis was paying attention to this story, you know, because there's a bit of a charge between this pair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like they're, they're face-to-face at some points. Yeah. Unfortunately, their enormous breastplates means they can't be entirely <laughs> face-to-face. That's a hell of a costume, isn't it? Is that hashtag dominate at its... Oh, I think that might be hashtag dominator tits. Yeah, I mean, is is it a bit much? Um, what the the, the, the costume? costume. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. In, it's imposing. I'll say that it's not. It goes back to what we said about the the Dulcian costumes last time. Um, it's a deliberate attempt to make something a bit different. So it's not just you know bog standard, you know, aliens in trousers and shirts and, and whatnot it's you know this is an alien culture and needs to look very different from anything we've done on earth before and so they've given them the um tops and trousers with the the flappy bits on um which i still can't remember what that reminds us of there's another sci-fi show that i've seen something very similar to that in uh, which i can't quite place i mean i'm sorry Fraser, but anyone looks like a hippie in this it's those dominators with those flared trousers yeah. with all the paper on it yeah the shoulder pads um but I think that that's that that collar really works as well, um, because it means that you know they do have to be face to face for a confrontation. It means that they don't, you know, you can't just have one of them turn the head to the other. They've got to turn the whole body. It's like Batman, you know, yeah. Batman in the movies, apart from Christian Bale, can't move his head from side to side. He has to move his entire body in those early films and the dominators are exactly the same they've got to turn to face each other they have to give a certain type of performance they in do. that costume yes. don't they that, i don't think full body performance there's much uh, ability to be nuanced as a dominator i think <clears throat> maybe that's the, not the point i mean I, I think there is because when they aren't facing each other that's where the nuance comes we have um because we haven't talked about them at the minute, but Ronald when, Allen, Ronald Allen, yeah, will, is is does great work where he is kind of like coming out the ship and that he's he's talking with Kenneth Ives, but you know he's the subordinate, so he doesn't look at him, and that that whole I can't just turn and look at him, I, I would have to turn me full body. That really adds to that as sort of like I'm the one in charge. You stand behind me, or you stand at the side of me, and I'm not even going to look at you while I'm giving you orders because you are beneath me. 
tool about you are beneath me. A lot of people say it's the other fellow who's got the suppressed rage. I think it's Ronald Allen. He is waiting to burst at this oh, yeah. idea that he's having yeah, to yeah. deal with. He's, he's just simmering away, isn't he? I think. Um, you know, know what he reminds me of? Have you ever been to a convention? No. Okay. You get the older Doctor Who fans, a bit more yeah. experienced, and then you get the tempestuous younger Doctor Who fans, you know, who, you know, feel like they've got to shout the loudest and their opinion has got to be heard, you know, and the older ones have said, oh, I've got my opinion now. I know what I'm thinking. I feel like this is the dynamic between the two dominoes, right, yeah. you know. I've seen it a few times where they're just looking at them going, oh, God, let's just let him talk. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Bless. So, so which are you at the convention then? Are you Tuba or... I've got a fucking Doctor Who podcast. Which one do you think I am? <laughs> Honestly, my opinion's heard far and wide. <laughs> yeah, you're the no. you're quickie. Actually, I'm I'm the quiet one. Do you know? Yeah. Because um, Jason Thompson made a comment when we were in a room with Fraser Hines, right? And uh, it was only a small gathering of people, and we would. It was a live commentary of um, Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. And Fraser Hines was just talking throughout it to to you know a select few of us, and then the room got open out to questions. Well, who is the you know the master of asking questions during their commentary? That would be you. I didn't say a word. And Jason Thompson made a point of saying, I'm really surprised that the person who asked so many questions during commentary podcasts did not ask a question. And that's because actually I'm quite quiet in a group setting like that. I'm doing it one-on-one with you. It's the easiest thing in the world. But yeah, so I think I am actually the quiet fan Uh who is kind of assured with what I think, but I don't feel the need to stamp all over anybody. Unless I'm doing this with you. Right. So you're the dominator, not the probationer. Ooh, That's yeah. right. <laughs> I'll, I'll write that in my book. <laughs> I shall just write that down. down. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I don't expect sex gags from you, you know. <laughs> well, look, should well, we dive into, into episode two? Well, yes, since we are talking about Fraser Hines and live commentaries, we probably should watch Fraser Hines and do a live commentary on him because... We've got some really good stuff coming up here. So would you like to count this into episode two? I would, I would. Quickie's just gone for a little lie down, you know. Yeah. Oh, the batteries, they don't last long. They really don't. You know. I mean, cool ones are worse, but... Yeah. They exhaust. Well, they're doing this as well. Their yeah. power just drops down every two minutes. Absolutely. Yes, they always go around shooting things. That's why. Okay. I'll count this in, shall I? Go on, then. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I always think um, people would say I'm wrong, but I always think Patrick Trout looks a bit sinister, you know, in this title sequence, the way he comes out of that Venetian he does strangeness. Kind of zoom out and then just melt away, doesn't he? It's a bit. But he does look like a kindly uncle, doesn't he, he when does. he fully materialises? He does look. Fraser, Joe. we've not talked about a Patrick Trout story before, have we? I mean, we've talked about it on Nymon, but not on Hamster. No, because, well, we did, because we did um, The Two Doctors with Sai. Uh, now I think that's a very different second doctor. It is a to very the second different. doctor in this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then, would you care to enlighten me of where Troughton falls for you? Um, that's a very good question because I haven't got a very quick answer to that. Um, is would you rate him? Oh, absolutely. Doctor? Yes, absolutely. I mean, but that's the thing. There's no doctor that I don't rate. Um, there's just some I rate more than others, if that makes sense. So, you know, someone like Matt Smith is right at the top of the pile. Um, you know, Tom Baker's up there as well. Patrick Troughton would have to come sort of 
top half, I would say. I think um, this is my top three, Patrick Trout. I mean, the problem I get is that once you start ranking them, you start getting towards the bottom, and then you start. It feels of, un- well, and it feels unfair as well, doesn't it? it? You just run out of steam because you then you say, "Well, I don't want to say," you know, like. Chris Edson or Paul McGann because they just haven't done as much as the others for us to yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you well, you know me, I'm a big fan of Big Finish, so yeah. they're, they're they're racking it up, you know, yeah, yeah. on audio. Yeah. But you know, it just so, so and it's always fluid as well. So you know, on, on a certain day, I'm going to be like, oh, I want to watch a Pertwee, and another day, I'm going to be like, you know what, I can't be doing with them, just being a dick to everyone. So it's it is quite fluid, but. Patrick Trapman, I absolutely rate. I think he did such an amazing job in coming in in season four when he did and being the new doctor because without him doing that we've got no show for sure yeah you know if you think back to season season three is again it's another massively troubled year of production you've got um you've got producers and scriptwriters and companions coming and going like we've got prime ministers and chancellors and home secretaries at the minute um, but I do think the most extraordinary creative things happen in season three, as all as the show passes through all those different hands. They do, you know, it's it doesn't disappoint in that respect. Um, but you know what you do get is by the time William Arnold leaves, is that the show is very much kind of on its up as, and you think it needs something now. It needs that. Yeah. It needs that little, just um, the assurance of a lead that yeah. can remember his lines. And that's not slight on Hartnell, who I think is incredible. Think, but he you know, was ill. Like, there's no getting Ill. away from it. Absolutely. But, you know, if you look back even to, to day one, you know, these line readings aren't, you know, 100% accurate. But it doesn't matter because... No. You can no, make it part of his character. That's the genius of it. Absolutely. If you, if you think about it, you think sort of, um, you know, who does talk like that? Who does get everything right every single time up? tripping all my words left right and center well that's what's great about this podcast you know exactly. it's not edited to hell like some of them it's not you know this is um, undiluted fraser gregory exactly and you that's what you get with hartnell's doctor is you know well obviously you know ian chesterton comes in and it's perfectly acceptable for him to call him chatterton or chatterton or whatever <laughs> you know a few times until he gets to know him better until he gets to kind of appreciate him but you know when we get to sort of you know, there was that last recording block of the season three, those last few few stories, you know, and the production on aren't wanting them there as well. You know, his health is it's kind of like a mutual we need to kind of get out of this. It's getting a bit toxic. Yeah. Well, it's they were, and they impact. were looking for uh, creative reasons to do yeah, that, yeah. weren't they? Absolutely. With the maker and exactly. You know, we, that could have happened in totally them, but for them to go, right, so we're gonna recast the the star of the show completely it's going to be a completely different person it's not even going to be like a, a mind robber where we're going to try and bring someone in that looks a bit like him and like like bring like Richard Herndon in or something we're going to go all out we're going to completely change the character we'll have a space reason for doing it but we don't really understand that so we're not going to dwell on that we'll just fudge that a little bit they can fill that in later in the 80s exactly um you know, so they're very reliant on Patrick Trouton being able to come in and win over the audience and say, say to them, yes, I am Doctor Who now. And it's a rating success. Those early trials ah, are absolutely. hitting sort of 8 million again. It's it's on the rise. 
but you know fours like i feel like fours like a gestation period where and i think it's the longest gestation period of any doctor i think yeah of fine sort of settling on and it happens around sort of the macro terra the moon base yeah. yeah five he then gets a formula that he can kind of relax into and be super confident in that sort of base yeah. on this that's why i like six because you've got the very self-assured performance of patrick trout now who yeah. knows how to do this and then you've got the sort of uh diverse genres and things yeah. that they're playing yeah. about with and the different styles of storytelling include like this this wouldn't really have hit in season five i don't think it doesn't it doesn't fit the formula it it's doesn't. not based under siege it's not based under siege but i think planet under siege no it it doesn't fit that formula but again that's that's not a bad thing because no it's great you know we do need that that variety that bit of a mix to keep us keep us entertained but what you get is you know you have that season four where he's you know, finds his feet. You then get season five, which although formulaic has got um him and Fraser Hines and Deborah Watling. Uh, Debbie Watling. Yeah. Magic together. Absolute it's, magic together. It's the chemistry between the three of them, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then you get season six where Debbie Watling's gone, but then you get Padders in. Wendy Padre comes in and that magic is still there. That chemistry is I still mean there. for me it's even better. It is. I, I love the arrogance of Zoe, and I like how she's arrogant with both Jamie and the Doctor. Absolutely. And we need a woman like that, you know? We do. <laughs> we do. But what happens by the time you get to season six, unfortunately, is that Pat Troughton is now being flogged to death. Yeah, and I think the, the finances are running a bit dry as well. The finances are running a bit dry. And again, the production side of things is starting to, to weaken a bit as you know, like I say, Terrence Sticks is up and coming uh, and Derek Sherman are up and coming, but the others are kind of got one eye on other things and it's it's running out of steam. You can tell that by the time you get to like the Seeds of Death um, in the space. Well, we're going to talk about that, all right? We are. That's a very broad opinion. At some point, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's 2025. We'll get around to that one. But, you know, you can even tell it in this one, you know, because he's not on location. You know, he's, he's had to kind of back down from location. Um, the Doctor and the TARDIS team don't arrive until five minutes into the story. Space pirates, they barely feature. Yeah, they're, they're barely in that. The, the six episodes. They, they're only in filmed inserts in episode yeah, six. Six. But at their best in six. Yeah, yeah. The mind robber, the, the war games, the invasion. Absolutely. I this mean, it's thing. gold. It's absolute this is gold. The thing. Even with them... You know, running on fumes, the productions running on fumes, the TARDIS team running on fumes. But what is keeping the show together and limps it, as it were, towards the war games and towards its next big, you know, shot in the arm boost is Patrick Troughton. Yeah. Yeah. And that chemistry he has with Fraser Hines and with Wendy Padby. If Fraser Hines had left in the seeds of death, you know, it would, the show would just stumble. I don't know. Than... I don't know. I think, I think Troughton and Padbury do wonderful have, things when they're on their own together would they not have brought another companion in at that point though possibly although it would be a bit weird for a couple of it stories would. wouldn't it it would i yeah. don't think it would quite it, it, it worked out quite for work. the best let's yeah. say it like that it did um do you know sorry i, I knew that was going to be a big question that was going to take us halfway through the episode talking about Pat Trump, but it's a big topic of conversation it's a big topic yeah i want to talk about the design very quickly yep because I think the design of the Dominator spaceship is one of the best designs of any spaceship. It's brilliant, isn't it? They've it's... got all those funky 
uh, weird visuals going on yeah. on the wall, you know, very, very 1960s. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what's the best thing? Is that little display of all the different quarks. quarks. <laughs> and the yes. That turn off when they when yes. they power down. Yeah. It's such a great visual. But it's got lots of other little quirks as well, like the way they get stuck to the wall. Stuck to the wall and then, and then obviously they, get... they haven't got the, the money to show a wall sliding, no. so it's just done by cameras. Well, and dis- Fraser Hines' face going, ooh. <laughs> Now as well, this is Barry Newbury, isn't he? And he did yes. some extraordinary work in the sixties. We're now in the city, and you've got a sun in the backdrop. You've yep. got these weird egg-shaped chairs. Yeah, yeah, fabulous cityscape. Yeah. I mean, and it's you've wonderful. Got, you've got the plants. You've got sort of like the curtains behind, and you've got them sitting with these sort of flowing dress like robes. It's very Greek. It's very sort of You're ancient right. Greek, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. which speaks back. You know, if you think like enlightened cultures, you think the Greeks. You think, you know, we haven't just got, you know, posh boys now. We haven't got the plant of the Boris Johnsons just sitting around talking. We've got Greek philosophers. That's the kind of angle that it's coming at. So, but, you know, you can't just put them in a, in a robe and a toga. You've actually got to do something spacey. So you have space toga, which unfortunately does look a bit like a dress and a curtain mixed together. It does. But like, you know, I don't think they're particularly philosophizing they're basically just sitting around you know pontificating yeah and what i love about it is is that fella always goes you know it doesn't matter who's coming in it's uh zoe and cully or even if it's the dominator he goes excuse me have you got an appointment <laughs> it's yeah, very funny. It, is. it is it's that again it's that sort of like hubris of like you can't invade our planet without a Proper paper. <laughs> yeah. Does someone actually say that? They should. They they should. should. <laughs> yeah, oh, could... this comedy. Oh, this Come is on. this is brilliant. This is asking this is... Patrick Charlton to play like a dumbass. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. He, he does it so well, but it's you know because you know <gasps> it's kind of you know there's, there's a little bit less subtlety in this one than there is in others. Another. Sh- stories he does have that sort of like i am the clown you will underestimate me but you know that will be to your downfall sort of thing it's it's made a lot more explicit in this you're right actually yes yeah, that's always there present in those other yeah, yeah. stories yeah but it's it's a bit subtler they're almost like mocking it here aren't they but yeah, yeah yeah oh it is great like and what's great is one of the dominators thinks oh my god they're thick as shit this pair and the other one ronald allen's one is like no nah, uh, they're playing uh, us well, this is it, but they've, they've had that other scene where they've um, scanned Jamie, haven't they? They've, they've scanned Jamie, and he's like, just, oh, well, yeah. Um, he's quite normal, um, show sign of rapid, you know, learning, um, that sort of thing. Um, and then they scan one of the Dulcians later on, don't they? They do the same with that, and they go, oh, this one's got two hearts. Mm. you know oh, and so they're like oh well so the scan jamie like should we scan the doctor no nah, there's no point they're obviously just the same um because you know he's, he's doing that act and then the scanner dulcians later on oh we've got two hearts and you're like oh well what would have happened if they'd scanned the doctor then at that point wow you know either maybe robert i was just paying attention well this is it it's either um the the too hot thing comes in there and we say, oh, well, the doctor's physiology is different or the whole tooth heart thing's 
never happens mm. in the whole of Doctor Who. You know that's crazy. Honestly, you entice me. That that's a really interesting bit. But then, oh look at this! I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt. The Doctor and Jamie holding hands and jumping oh, no. off the ah. Oh, there, I mean, oh, I'd pay good money just to watch Trout and Hines goofing around like this. But it is very very funny. It's the bit where he's having to do the puzzle. And he's getting electric shocks because he's not getting it right. And he knows yeah. he can't get it right because he's trying to pretend he's thick. <laughs> it's really great. Oh, oh and, honestly, she's beautiful, that can though, isn't she? She is, but then you have that bit where Patrick Troughton's like and Fraser Hines are being so like dynamic and um Ronald Allen's just stood there being so still and menacing and but yeah, so the talent did you say? Talent? Is that her name? Kando. Kando. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, I thought. I mean, I'm not sure this planet is a particularly strong representative for women. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 better than you know planets we'll get in sort of like the Hinchcliffe. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, or even in even in sort where of there's the... a vague suggestion that women have died out in the future, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and men are just cloned. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's very strange seeing Trouton with a gun. Yeah. Isn't it? Because even when he has that, that weapon in the Seeds of Death, it's, you know, it's a hoary old lash-up wires all around his neck and things like that. Oh, with his, his two bin lids. Oh, but look at you saying, oh, I think it's for killing people. I don't know, really. <laughs> He's so cheeky. I think Ronald Allen knows the whole time. <laughs> Ronald Allen's playing this as, as Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. You know, and I need to credit Toby Haydock for that sort of um, point because, you know, Toby Haydock has done a commentary on this and, you know, always points out how cadaverous the Dominators look, especially Well, it's Ronald in Allen. the makeup it's, as well, isn't it? It's got it? this thick sort of makeup under the underneath eyes. his eyes, which yeah. is exactly what they did with, um, with Boris Karloff in... Um, Frankenstein movie back in the 30s so he's kind of playing it very much that sort of like stiff lumbering and you know I think that probably is quite freaky for yeah. kids watching you know and he does get angry but really yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to call his performance one no because I don't think it is and, no, I, and you only have to watch Ambassadors of Death to see what an incredible actor he is because yeah, yeah. it's a very, di very different role from this I think he's doing a really good job in this as well because the, the it, two could it's be the stillness, isn't it? It's the yeah. the statuesqueness. I think I've just made up that word. No, no, it's a word. Um, well, it is now. Um, <laughs> Who's the other guy? Kenneth Ives. Who is that? Um, I what else he done? I don't think he did too much. We'll have a I'll have a look in the break between this. Oh, okay. Well, let's have next. a little look at his IMDb. Um, he, he did pass away quite recently. Um, wasn't too long ago that we lost Kenneth Ives. I want to say again, the physical effects in this thing are really impressive. That he just fired that gun and a massive lump on the wall blew out behind Patrick Troughton's head. Yeah. Um, if people think Sylvester McCoy looks uh, impressively cool when he walks away <laughs> from uh, the ring in second acts, yep. Troughton barely blinked just then. <laughs> but... No, but this is a story that's criticised for its look. And I actually it is, think yeah. it's a lot more stylish than people give it, it credit really for. It really is. And what you need to remember is it's um it's, we're seeing it in black and white, but when you look at the photos 
Mm. It was all in colour. I mean, that Dominator ship's all sort of greens and purples, and um, there's a lot more colour going on in here that we just can't see. But so far, you know, we've talked about like vast cityscapes. We've talked yeah. about location work, big explosions. Like, there's a bit of money here, and this was done the tail end of five, wasn't it? I don't think this was yes, done at the beginning was. of six. So it the was. money was a little dry at this point. Yeah, yeah, it was the tail end. They did this one and the main robber together, and then went in uh, six. Look at that fabulous monorail behind Zoe yeah. there. Honestly, I can see a train yeah. shooting off. Oh, I can also see a boom mic on the backdrop, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, it's a space mic. Sp- yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, but no, because they're talking a lot in this chamber. They yeah. need the mics up there to they do. throw their voices. Oh, do you like these um, these uh, tr- little trains they go in? Well, it's a shuttle. It's a shuttlecraft. So, so is that going along the? What we just saw there, the, the tube. No, it, it's an actual, like, shuttle. So it's like a proper, like, Buck Rogers style. Do we actually see it flying? Yeah, we see it flying. I oh, think we've okay. talked over that bit. We might see bit. it again. No. Because <laughs> they have to crash it later on because they realise that they're in the, the shuttlecraft going back to um, Dalton Central. And it's like, oh, well, there's going to be, like, Dominators and Quarks there. So they have to kind of, like, Jamie has to dangle the Doctor by his feet and... Oh, that's physical comedy it at its best as well. And there's a bit where he's tearing out all the circuitry yeah. and all yeah. of that. Yeah. Now, like, I, from what I hear, Troughton was a little bit unkind about this script and said, you know, this one is not the best I've done. But you can see he's literally putting in 150% Absolutely. to make does. it as entertaining as possible. I think he's trying even harder here, though. He always does. And that's what I say about season six is that it is just fueled by, by him and. And um, Fraser and Wendy Padbury, that they just keep this going and they keep it going longer than, and it, it turns out better than it probably should have done because of because of them three. This quark design, yeah. Yep. I want to talk about the sort of childlike and almost comic look of the quarks. And I don't mean that as a criticism because I think this is leaning into the same sort of thing that they do with the troll doll in Terror of the Autons. Yeah. And it's something that Doctor Who does extremely well. Like, I think a lot of people can look back on Classic Who and go, oh, those things just look fucking ridiculous. But kids were scared of this stuff at the time. And I think the incongruence of something absurd looking that actually, yeah, you could laugh at it. Yeah. You know what? It's going to blow your face off. Yep. I think that's really effective when you put the, when you juxtapose those two things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it is that thing of something that does look uh, and sounds childish as well. You know, it sounds cute. It looks cute, but I it's think that's deadly. a bit sinister, though. Yeah, that absolutely. Sort of childlike voice. Sometimes when Quickie's coming down the corridor, you know, I hide yeah. away. Yeah. No, oh, I think I think it's it's a cleverer design than I ever gave it credit for. I just used to say, oh, it's just an egg box and you know that. But I actually think it's visually appealing to children because it's... of its simplicity. Yeah. It was... Oh, see so yeah, how we're going to scan them now um, and see the two hearts. But it's... Oh, you know, there's the... a lovely Walk... shot of his hairy legs there, you know. Yeah. Walking around, you know, not just kind of static like you would have with like maybe the Dalek, you know, because you can't move it around all the time. So 
But, but yeah, know, there's it, something about the flappy arms as well coming out of the quarks because I think that's something that kids can easily imitate. Absolutely, you, know? you can is... be a quark going around with your flappy arms. Yeah, this is this is where we need um, Sai Hart with his tailor youth of how he used to play quarks in the playground. Is that true? I would imagine so. Yeah, I would imagine so too. Um, he's not yet. In, he's in, not yet did a die yet, so I'm going to say that actually happened. In the wake of him being here. We'll just say that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, you used to go around with a bit of string pretending it was canine, you know? Oh. <laughs> no, it's so cute, isn't it? Oh, he just melts my heart every time he talks about oh, his youth, you know? Dear, oh, dear. oh, look at these corks walking on oh, location. They must have a terrible trouble, you know? Yeah. But again, you know, it's you can get them out on location if you think, you know, what they had to do in Destiny of the Daleks to get quark, um, Daleks on. You wish there was quarks. Imagine if it was Daleks versus quarks in that instead oh, of the. Absolutely. That would have been amazing, wouldn't yes. it? But um, yeah, to get those Daleks in that quarry, they you can see the legs of the the people walking is along. Is it the same quarry? Have I just made that? Oh, up? it's very possible. All within, you know, the M twenty five. Yeah, on that sort of ring road, I think. I don't think it's one you can go and visit because I think it is still a, a working quarry so you can't like literally just turn up and go is it gerald's cross where they did two of the side men is it there it might be that one yeah maybe. i think it might, it might be because actually it looks very it looks muddy more... it's it's sort of reddish yeah it looks more life. tomb than than destiny destiny i think it's more rocky than is it like a pebbly sort of quarry do we believe cully as this sort of teenage <laughs> I don't think rebel. he's supposed to be. I don't think he's supposed to be a teenage rebel. I think he's just Thank a rebel. You know, <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be like he's he's not playing the James Dean character. I think he's more playing the Bruce Willis character. He's more the the older sort of um person. He's not like young and full of vim and vitality. And what he is sort of like more mature and but still because of the way this society is, you know, a thirty odd year old man is still the rebel youth, you know what I mean? Um, you look at his dad, who's the um, council leader, and he's you know, considerably older. So I think that's just the way the society is. It's it's like like hobbits, you know, the age. You know, I certainly the... think he's an effective performance. I don't yeah. disbelieve Arthur Cox in the role. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you've, you've, you've got to look at the society and think, well, where is that, you know, John McLean going to come from? Where where do they get that the person that is going to be running up and down hills lobbing grenades at quarks? It's not necessarily going to be a teenager. It is going to be. Um, you know, I think people. I think people more... have a bit of trouble with that. Like they kind of feel like it should be. Yeah. You know, instead it's... of this sort of middle aged, overweight. <laughs> it's not going to be though because they, they haven't got any anyone like that. All they've got is middle aged looking. Because of the way their society has been is. sitting around the whole time, you know, yeah, exactly getting, getting yeah. overweight. Yeah, this is. I mean, when you're in a society, your idea of fun is to go onto a, you know, take a lemon squeezer and drive it onto a radioactive island. You know, that is the. If that's all you've got for for shits and giggles, then you know your man that's going to be your big action hero is going to be that type of character. Person is Cully. He has that wonderful line, doesn't he, where he goes, um, "What am I talking about?" They haven't paid me yet. I'm going to get after them. <laughs> You've got to say as well, you know, it's ain't a bad story for cliffhangers. They blew the oh. shit out of that set that him and Zoe were standing in a minute yeah, ago. Absolutely. You had the ceiling falling in and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's rattling along, isn't it? It's... 
in no way as terrible as I perhaps perceived it to be <laughs> in the past. And, and are you ready for this? Are you ready to hear more about Quickie's uh, oh, adventures? Yes, yes I want to Quickie, know. come out. Come back, come on, come on. Okay, here he is, here he is, here he is. Uh, oh, he's whispering in my ear now. Oh, oh, he's very excited about this. Okay. Oh, wow. Razor, wait till you believe this. This is an alternative dimension that you're going to want to visit. Oh. So, uh, yeah, he skipped over to the alternative dimension where the quarks were the dominant power in the absence of the Daleks. Right. But, what's that? Oh, he didn't stay very long. No, apparently there was a battle with the Croton Imperium and the, and the Ogron Confederation. It, apparently it got a bit dicey, so he skipped out of there pretty quickly. Blame Oh my god, who wrote that fan wank? For God's sakes. That's an actual story, you know, that's a that's a comic strip. I mean, I always say quarks or crotons. What exactly the Yeah, that's 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 my correct default question, you know, when people say ask me any question about Doctor Who is like mate, quarks or crotons. Well maybe that's why they were at war the hang on. Quickie, is this why they were at war in the alternative universe? Are, are in fact the quarks an offshoot of the crotons? Oh, he said, don't be ridiculous. Right, well, bug, bugger off then. Honestly, if you're not going to say anything no, useful. I wasn't expecting Gruntley to be in there. Gruntley? Gruntley the Ogron. I think he was in that alternative universe, you know, he was like the leader of the, the what are they called? The Ogron Confederation, Confederation. of Planets. Yeah. I wow, can see so that. I can see Gr Gruntley being emperor of those. I mean, I will say one thing. That is the wankiest thing I've possibly ever read out in my life. However... It is wonderful how Doctor Who inspires the creativity of people's yep. imaginations. Yeah. Uh, Fraser, sure. are you ready to skip into episode three? Uh, ready as I'm ever going to be. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> 